Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. I am Riley Karsh, one of your co-hosts, and I am here today with my lovely, fantastical, wonderful, amazing, just fabulous co-host. Tova Copan. <laughs> she knows we're her name. We're working we're, on a new, new it's intro. A working project. We're progress. working on it. We're working out the kinks on that one, everyone. We are thrilled to have you with us today. It is interview day. And as everyone knows, I love interview day. It makes me super excited. I love getting to know people, hearing about their stories, their their personal lives. Uh, everyone knows I am real bad at small talk, but I am real excited about just nosing into people's personal lives. So this gives me a great excuse to do that. So I'm very excited about interview day. Before we dive in um, and meet our guest today, I do want to uh, say hello to my fantastical friend Tova and ask her how she's doing and uh, how embracing your power is going for you this week. What's, (laughs) how's it, how's it going? Well, I think I told you that a couple of weeks ago, maybe, um, maybe I just told myself, I don't know. I was, t- <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the telling same. yourself is the same as telling me. At I this think point. so. <laughs> I think so. Um, I'm really going to work on saying no as much as I can Yes. over the next like three months. Like yeah. this is just, we're leaning into no. Cause I said a lot of yeses over the summer. And then I was like, wait, what do you, what, what committee did I sign up for that um, meets in September? <laughs> yeah. So that is how I'm embracing my power is saying no. I will say with the one caveat that we have a big election coming up yep. and uh, I am saying yes to things that have to do with the election. So that's, I think that's, those are all really great boundaries. And I know yeah. you hate boundaries. Well, you don't hate boundaries. I think but you great. hate I just my endless stressful. talking. My yeah, endless no. talking so, about boundaries. So I don't, I don't actually know when anyone's listening to this. Um, but by the time you're listening to it, I will have written at least 100 postcards. Um, and I'm pretty excited about those. I, uh, my bite is, uh, wait, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. My bark is bigger than my, something is bigger. I always (laughs) sign up for more postcards than I actually can mentally do, but I'm like, you know what? We're doing them. I it's, like it. You know, Hallmark movies are about to come out and they will keep me company while I write these postcards encouraging yes. people to get out and vote. Um, so, yeah. So so I am embracing my power by saying no more. I well, like it. And not just saying no, saying no and saying yes. So, yeah, let's be clear. You're embracing your power by being intentional about your boundaries. There we go. Let's put it out um, But so. I, I will I will say, though, um, not to like harp on the no of it all. Yeah. But one thing that um, I've gotten much better at is saying no to things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also working on saying no to things that I do want to do. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that like. That's brutal. <laughs> we only have so much. It sucks, man. It's hard. Um, we only have so much time. Yeah. 
But speaking of time and yes. things I do want to do. I know. I almost started clapping, which is totally inappropriate for a podcast. <laughs> just going to put that out there. All right. Well, I appreciate the support. Um, I am so excited for our guest, mainly because I've never actually gotten to speak with our guest before I know. until like five minutes. So I'm like extra excited. Um, so I am so excited to introduce all of you to our wonderful guest, Sarah Williams. No surprise, Sarah is an attorney because we love attorneys. Well, we um, yeah, well, they know how to embrace their power. Um, right. Sarah is currently practicing at Alexander Shonara Trial Attorneys, which is headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama, where she handles primarily trucking, wrongful death, and catastrophic injury litigation. Um, she's amazing, as far as I can tell. Um, she has collected over $30 million in verdicts and settlements on behalf of her clients, including a $12 million verdict against the Birmingham Max bus system arising out of a collision caused by the transit system's failure to properly monitor the health of its drivers. Um, and I will just say, and I'm going to hop on my soapbox for a moment, um, it's litigation like this that keeps it safe for all of us to do things like riding a bus yes and making sure that rules are followed and regulations are followed and laws are followed um often falls on the backs of attorneys like this so i am so thankful um a little more about sarah before we welcome her on from 2017 uh through the close of 2021 she served as the managing attorney for her firm so that is a big big job and she was able to grow the firm during that time uh, to include over 100 attorneys 400 staff members in, let's see, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Massachusetts, which is, you know, kind of an out there one. And probably there's a story there. Um, prior to joining the firm, she spent the first half of her career defending truck companies and drivers and recently returned to uh, a more active practice after her time as the managing director. Um, and in 2021, the reason she stepped away from her role as managing attorney was to refocus on her litigation and then really develop a very impactful and powerful social media campaign focused on empowering women lawyers. Obviously, I could keep going. I don't want to because I want to say hello. Um, so hello, Sarah, and welcome. Hi. How are you? Hello. Great. How are y'all doing today? Good. We're so excited to have you on the show. And trying not to spend too much money on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, right. God, how is it so early? It's just like, it's, it's here. It's I, a secondary one. That's oh what's my happening. gosh. Right. Now, just not to get totally off course, but will there be another one? Well, I think there'll be another one on like Black Friday and right. then Cyber, okay. Monday. Cyber Monday. I don't know. They, I, it's, just, it's all lies anyway. They just should cut, cut the prices and let us shop to our heart's delight. I don't um, know, though. I don't know. It did, but what if it's not? I know. That's how right? they get you. They sucker you. That's how they get you. Oh, okay. man. Um, we are super excited to have you on the show today. And um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, we feel like we know you because we've been following you. We've been internet stalking you like creepers. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I'm sorry if I'm too informal because I feel like, you know, I know like too much about your life as it is, but we're gonna just dive in and get to the, to the heart of the matter here. As you know, this season, we're talking about embracing your power. Your, your bio uh, like clearly shows that you have embraced your power what is it or when is it do you remember the first time in your life that you felt 
the most powerful or that you even felt powerful? What like what moment was that? And can you describe how it felt for you? That is a good question. I don't think I've ever had like one particular moment where um, like the light went on. I feel like there, and I talk about this um, in the book I'm writing. I, I For some reason I was born with like a powerful voice, which is always off-putting as a little girl. My mom tells a story about when we were stationed in Holland, my br oldest brother who was five years older than me um, was getting bullied on the playground. And I grabbed my middle brother who's like a year and a half older than me. And I'm like toddling around and I toddle across the street and say, hey, you know, you guys need to leave my brother alone because my daddy's in the army and he's got guns and we'll come back and beat <laughs> you up. And so I think that, um, I think that, and I truly believe that children are born powerful. Like if you think about children and how assertive they are, I actually think that you go through a phase where that power is, um, quashed and, and it's and and you are made to feel like you should not express that so I do remember elementary school being the time period where I felt like maybe I'm too much you know I'm taller than everyone I'm louder than everyone um and so for me it was like a reawakening in really law school was there something in law school specifically that brought that out for you? So I did mock trial in law mm -hmm. school and I had a coach. Um, he's a circuit court judge now, but he was very much, I remember the practice where it happened. I was using my like fake professional voice and he made me like go over my direct examination over and over and over and over and over again. And finally he was like, who, I don't know who this is. Like, this is not your voice. Um, and so just through that process, that two years um, of being on the team and being in an environment where I was encouraged to be powerful. And he always tells, we always tell our students, like, we love powerful women on our team. Um, and it's, I think it's one of the reasons why it's one of the organizations on campus that attracts primarily women students. Like our team is mostly women now because it is such an, a safe, safe environment for you to be who you really are. Like, I think women are inherently powerful. Mm -hmm. I think society pushes that power down and makes us feel embarrassed for it. Well, I think it's interesting that you had someone in your life who wasn't even generically saying, use your, you know, be powerful but they were like, I know you're powerful and you're not showing that to me. Right. Like, you know, that is um, in itself such a, a gift, right? Because yeah. they're they're saying, I see you, <laughs> I, I'm, I see who you are and that's who I want to see, you know, see here. Right, I don't um, want the other person. Right. Yeah. Especially and from an authority figure, right? That's like exactly right. And so I think that for me created a desire to constantly be in those environments. And so I moved around a good bit um, initially in my career because I really wasn't meant to be a defense lawyer. 
but I feel like I've constantly sought out empowering environments. Like even the first firm I worked for, I turned down more money at another firm to be around a firm that had, you know, a, half of the partners were women and most of them were trial lawyers. And, and so it wasn't abnormal to be powerful. Like you weren't shunned for being powerful. You weren't made to feel embarrassed. It wasn't even really a question. Um, so yeah, so when people ask like, man, where did it come from? I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. Was it something that was encouraged for you as a kid? I mean, I, I love your story about, you know, your older brother and you going out on the playground and being like, oh, this is, you're, this is not happening. Um, were your parents encouraging of you as sort of a, a powerful kid being out there and just standing up for yourself? So yes and no. I think that, so I have two, my parents were young parents. Like my mm -hmm. mom, I'm the third and she, she was 24 when she had me. So, um, you know, I think that it was easier to raise me like as a tomboy Yep. than to, and she, she grew up, she almost had to raise her siblings. So I feel like it was much more of, I was just kind of free. Like I wasn't, I didn't have the, the constraints of like, don't get dirty. And this is how girls are supposed to behave. You, I, I was just allowed to be free. And, and part of living in Europe, I think that was such a, a beneficial aspect of my growing up was that they felt a lot um, freer to let us kind of roam. Um, and so I, I do think the, the tides turned once I became a teenager and it was like, whoa, <laughs> we, we raised this feminist who won't wash the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that might just be being a teenager too, though. <laughs> I it, yeah. I mean, it's something that I think, um, you know, if you, if you, I know with my kids, it's like, I want you to be outspoken. I want you to stand up for yourself. I want you to do all these things. But if, if inside the home, you could just be sort of more mild and like a better listener. That would be really helpful. Right. Like, That's right. <laughs> that, That's right. It's, a, it's a hard, it's a hard balance because you don't want to send kids like those mixed messages. Yeah. You're like, well, I guess you're just going to stand up to me too. Yeah, okay. It is such a difficult balance. So yeah, my daughter's nine mm. and she, I'm always so proud of her because she, she is going to raise her hand in class. She is going to um, not be ashamed of her opinion. She's going to ensure that she's heard. But I, like you said, like you can't encourage kids to be that way at school and then they get home and you're authoritarian and right you don't give them any sort of voice. And so we have a lot of conversations about um, when it is appropriate to push back and when it is appropriate. There are times where you need to just listen. Um, for example, things to do with safety and you know mm -hmm. things that may be dangerous. And then there are times when, um, you know, that are open for discussion. And I try to include her in all of our decision-making, if we're going on vacation, if, you know, what or how are we decorating the Christmas tree? Because I think it is important, um, especially for girls early on to feel that they are important and that they, you know, they need to have that analytical, you know, skill set, um, and not that decisions are just being made for them without any explanation. Yeah. I'm in a, 
a similar boat. I have a nine-year-old daughter as well, and it's, uh, man, it's tough. Um, but, you know, she sounds very similar, and it's, it's the things that we go through are like, is this the argument you want to have, right? Like, is this the thing we're going to argue about? And it's okay if it is, but you have to pick and choose because we can't argue everything. So is this the thing that we're going to fight over, right? Or is, is this the rule that you want to go to fight over school with, right? Like, right. is this the argument we're going to have with the administration? It's okay. Like, I'll go with you and we'll have the fight. But is this the one? Because we can't have every one of them. And it's it's an interesting, it's, it's such a learning curve for me to like, because I was the kid who had every fight, right? Like I had every, I was so confrontational. I had every fight with everyone all the time and was never curbed. And so it's, it's always interesting to me. I, similar to you, like grew up very tomboyish and very free and did not have <laughs> a lot of limitations put on me for better or worse. And so I didn't really understand that concept of picking your battles. I just picked all the battles, <laughs> all the battles. Shockingly, shockingly, I became a lawyer. Um, right. <laughs> so. I was actually the opposite. I think that, so when I was in kindergarten, so my grandmother was 6'2". And when I was, so when I was younger, that everyone thought I was going to be tall and I, I stopped growing in the eighth grade. So I'm 5'8". But in kindergarten, I was like 5'3". Yeah, so so I'm in the back row standing beside the teacher and we're like the exact same, the same height. Size. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that I always shrunk. And so I, yeah. I developed this like people pleasing, let me be quiet, you know, I'm taller than ever all everyone else. Like I'm I'm, you know, stockier than everyone else, because that's my build. And so um for a long time I I just was the people pleasing, like barely spoke because I had gotten that, oh goodness, like your voice is deeper for a girl, you know, your voice is stronger for a girl, um, you're tall for a girl. And so you're just like, ah, I'm I'm being othered so much. Yeah. Like, let me just try to float under the radar as much as I can. So that kind of brings up kind of my, my next sort of question is like, is there a time that you remember where you felt your weakest or you felt either either because something internally or just because of the world around you that you felt the you know whatever the op I don't know if weak is the opposite of power but let's say weakest um the opposite of that feeling of powerful I think college for me oh my camera oh. <laughs> okay so for me it was college um like I got kicked out of Florida State my first year uh, because I was hanging out just like Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, I, there was this club in Tallahassee called the Late Night Library. And so I tell my parents we were going to the library. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't me. Like I'm such a nerd. And and I, I don't like I like to hang out, but I really don't like going to clubs. Um when I do, I do, but most of, but I was so hell bent on becoming something other than, you know, my nickname in high school was super nerd. Um, I was so hell bent on becoming something other than that, 
that I followed, I was so much more of a follower than I was a leader. And I was trying to make myself into someone that other people wanted me to be or expected me to be or to, to, you know, whatever I thought people thought was cool. Okay. My friends from high school are all going to the club. I'm going to go to, um, and, and so that, that year for me, like that moment, Florida State, they're very kind, right? They clearly accustomed to kids partying and, and getting kicked out. So they had this, this whole process where uh, you have to go to the community college for two years. And then if you come back, they'll wipe away your grades from your first year. Um, and they'll replace them with your associate's grades. And so I did that in like a year and a half. Like I, I just really refocused on myself. And I feel like that time period was the, that year was the weakest I, I, I feel like I have ever been. But that lesson was one that I think has been the most pivotal, pivotal in me deciding I just have to be who I am. When you went through that time period, what was it that helped you kind of key back into who you really are at your core? Like, what were the things that drew you back to yourself? So I stopped going out and Mm -hmm. I started doing the things I enjoyed again. I started reading again. I, you know, I, I mean, I was, I'm a nerd. And so like, I I think you have to spend that time with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't spending any time with myself. I was spending every waking minute, like getting dressed and then going out. So I was either at work or at, I really wasn't at school. I was either at work. Or at- <laughs> <laughs> if I had been in school more, I wouldn't have gotten kicked out. Um, but I was just, I just constantly, and I, I think that happens now. Like, like I can tell I was listening to y'all talk about being overextended. I did the same thing this year. And I think that, in the moments when I am, when I am giving more time to myself, it's like me reconnecting with myself. Like I can, you're only crazy if you both talk and answer yourself, right? So I think it's important. <laughs> I don't know that I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a problem then. Yeah, I think it's important that my mama always said, like she'd hear me talking to myself and, and she'd be like, it's okay, you're only crazy if you answer yourself. <laughs> Um, but I think it's important to just like spend time with yourself. And, and I think that time period where I was so frustrated with myself for letting myself, you know, give up my dreams of going to college and, um, going to law school and it felt like they were slipping away. And so I retreated from my friends and, and kind of just, um, retreated into myself, but that was good for me. It's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, I, we pick words of the month um, and we share about them. And my, my word of the month is home for the month of October. And it's just, it's not, it's not to like hang out more time at home. Although I do love to do that, but it's to like, make sure I'm coming home to me, like kind of like checking back in. And when I'm saying no, or saying yes, making sure that I'm the one actually answering and not either a version of myself that I've made up or whatever. And so I guess my question is now you're, you know, so many years removed from having this, this big uh, crisis or reevaluation, but what do you do now on a regular basis to make sure that like, as you're making decisions, whether it's to, whether it's a yes or no, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes to this conference or no to this activity, but 
how do you make sure that you are checking in with yourself and that it's who like who you really are is are answering the questions it is a constant battle for me and i I told myself at the the end of last year that this was going to be my year of no um instead you know shonda rhimes had her year of yes i I felt like i needed a year of no and i and i did i said no a lot the problem is and so here's what i've developed to answer your question directly I developed for myself and one of my students actually helped me with this. She's a um, social media. um, She's kind of like a content lawyer. So she represents like influencers. She's one of my former trial team students. Her name's Cameron Monet. And we went through like a process of when I was developing my brand of deciding on brand pillars. And so she said, you know, part of this is this helps you filter requests so if if the request doesn't have anything to do with your brand then you it's an easy no and so i started the year out real it was real easy you know folks would email me and i just tell them this is not in alignment with um my brand and and what i'm the the um, platforms i'm trying to push this year um you know, here are some recommendations. Cause I always, when I say no, I always like to recommend another woman lawyer or another woman, you know, if it's a speaking engagement or something. Um, but then what happened was people were emailing each other and it's like, well, Sarah said no to this. These are her, you know, brand pillars and that fits, you know, whatever you're doing. And so I started to get um, lots of invitations that fit within those pillars. Um, <laughs> and I hadn't planned for that. And so I think, which is fine. Like we're all works in progress. And yep. so, um, I think that the thing I struggle with the most that I plan on working on for 2023 is that I have spent, and I think this happens with lawyers a lot and really pro- professionals. I have spent so many years giving up how I define my self-worth based on, um, you know, accolades, super, did you make super lawyers? Did you, you know, did Mm -hmm. you get these awards? And also, you know, whether or not I'm invited to speak at, at certain events, I was, I was at a conference last week beating myself up because I needed to stay and work in my room one day. And I was texting my, my law firm, you know, girl gang, about it and one of one of one of my coworkers said you are no longer an attendee you are the attraction and so if you want to stay in your room until you know five minutes before you have to come down and speak that's fine like you're not there to learn you are there to teach and I just thought like I have been thinking about myself completely wrong and so I think that that is for me how I think I'm going to filter um events differently like that that's the first time i've spoken and then left and gotten on a plane and so i think that is going to help i don't have to stay the whole four days right i don't i I can set boundaries around my time and it was fall break and i needed to get back and spend some time with um my family but that's the other thing that i've done i I have set really hard boundaries around certain things like I, i i believe as women professionals if you are like it's okay to be ambitious. Um, so for me, the way I balance that is I I don't schedule anything during spring break. Like that is always protected time. 
schools have started these fall breaks now. And so, you know, that's a time that I try to protect. I almost messed up, but I fixed it. Um, <laughs> Christmas break. So, so when there are holidays um, and school is out, I try to get the calendar in advance and I block those days. And so I try to, to block my time um, and set those boundaries. But in terms of turning down things, that's like a constant struggle for me. And I think I have keyed on, I, I have intertwined my feelings of self-worth with being always constantly being at something or speaking at something. And I have to work on um, removing that from my idea of my self-worth as a professional. Yeah. So I, we've talked about this in, I, I guess, last season, and we'll certainly touch on it this season as well. And it's this concept and it's, it's a simple concept. It's a hard application. And it is the idea that we are all worthy full stop, right? And that our self-worth is fully in existence, whether we speak at the conference, whether we attend the conference, whether we have children or not have children, whether we're married or not married, you know, no matter what we look like, self-worth is is not defined by any sort of material thing. It simply exists. And everyone is worthy just because we're worthy. And it's it's very simple and simplistic and, and basic sounding, but applying it to ourselves is what becomes challenging. And I think we all know it as young children, barring, you know, severe trauma, obviously, but we all know it and it's what kind of gets conditioned out of us because we live in an achievement culture and we live in a world wherein we're trained to constantly be seeking the next pat on the head for the next thing right. we've achieved and the next grade we've gotten and the next, you know, I don't know, great school we've gotten into, whatever it is. And so it's very hard to hold on to. And I think um, especially as high achieving professionals, it becomes even harder because our, all of our peers are looking at us in the same way. And so it becomes compounded. So uh, um, I just want to acknowledge that you're saying that. And that's, I think it's an amazing goal to work towards is, is being able to um, take your power back by making your self-worth your priority and that your self-worth is not keyed to any speaking engagement you ever do, that you're, you're worthy again simply because you exist you breathe oxygen you and you live um it's just that's what it is and it's it's not that easy but it is that easy it's so it's so annoying um, <laughs> I, wish, I wish i could just be like oh, no it feels like it should be easier so in in working on my book i found this study that helped me like realize you know how you read something and you're like oh my god it's so yes, yes yeah and so it talked about how um it, it talked about like racial biases with teachers and how they don't expect young black girls to be high achieving. Mm. And so it's not when, when young black girls are um, doing well in school, it is not recognized as readily as their white counterparts. And so in order to counteract that as young black girls, we achieve more and more and more and more. And we say yes all the time. And it's yeah. like, okay, maybe this will be the thing that gets you to give me the praise that you're giving everyone else. And I was right. like, <sighs> right. And then your mind is blown, right? Cause you <laughs> right. were like, oh, right. I'm about to swear. I can't swear. And you're like, oh no, I've spent, you know, 
I don't know how long do you spend, spend in primary education, but you know, all these years of my education trying to achieve a thing that was never possible for me to achieve in the first place. Right. Seeking like, that external. That's external what I mean. Knowledge. Like you yeah. were doing it, right? Like it was happening, but it was never going to happen. Right. And it's like your brain explodes. And it goes from <laughs> teachers to professors to law partners. Right. Right. And, and so you're constantly um, trying to impress people or, or get this validation from people when it really, in the grand scheme of things, like doesn't matter. It doesn't. Right. Whether you get it or you don't get it, um, it doesn't matter. And it's weird because I've gotten to that place where it's like, I, I am not seeking the validation. I think I'm at a place now where I feel like I've been fighting for such a long time for women and women and people of color to have certain opportunities at certain speaking at certain conferences that I always feel guilty if I say no. Mm, yeah. You know, well, I, yep, I think that makes there's sense. this this concept that um, whether it's as a woman or as a person of color or as both, where it's like you should be thankful that you're here so you should say yes right? right so there's there's it's not gratitude right it's not that inner feeling of being grateful and gratitude but it's like this concept of like well they asked me and so i should be thankful that they asked me and so i need to say yes i also think there's this feeling as you were talking sarah i was thinking about of and i was thinking about a, a good friend of mine who is a new partner and she's been saying yes to clients that are not necessarily great clients. And so it means that like the one part she's always loved, no matter what firm she was at, was were her clients. She's always loved her clients and now she doesn't. And it's very frustrating for her. But I think that as women, we, especially in our general age group, um, where there've always only been one woman, like you said, you sought out firms that had many women, but oftentimes there's one woman yeah. or two women or one person of color, like at a firm or at a, a fortune 500 company or whatever, I, I, you know, in the C-suite. And so you're, there's this feeling of scarcity of if I say no, it could all go away. Right. And I need to tell the universe that I'm, I'm saying yes, and I'm being open and I'm, uh, and, you know, interestingly, in Shonda Rhimes' book, which I love and I usually read once a year, she says no a lot. A lot of her saying yes is actually saying no. Right. right. That's right. <laughs> which I think um, I encourage everybody to read that book. You don't need to read it every year like I do, but it's not a bad idea. Um, it's, it's, it should. I'm, I think I'm going to listen to it this year. I finally have broken. I'm such a traditionalist. Like, I believe in buying hard cover like I'm, I am that girl. And finally my shoulder is bad and carrying around all this stuff through the airport. And I was like, I've got like three devices with me, right? I can download and listen to this, these books. Um, and so I think that's what I'm going to listen to. I listen, I listen to it and it's great. And, um, it's one where like, she gives a speech for those of you who haven't read it the dartmouth speech it's it's the actual speech oh so they slide that in so oh, well, i'm definitely gonna yeah i'm a i'm a big proponent my audible credit now yeah. <laughs> i'm a big proponent of listening especially when people read their own memoirs yeah, um that's true but but i do i think that it's something 
um, and I might find a question or I might just lead us to, to a quick break, but um, it's that struggle of scarcity versus abundance and recognizing like you've worked incredibly hard, Sarah, not just to make a place for you at the table, but to make a place to, to build more tables and to make more seats at the table and to get other women. I mean, you simply said, when I say no, I want it another woman to be invited. And so you are creating your own abundance and the universe is sending you, I mean, it's, it's there, but there's something in us as women that there's like that fear and it, and it's, I don't know if it's society or who told us, or I mean, it could be actual people or just like as a group that we should, we should think of things as like that it's of scarcity. There's just not that, you know, and if I say no, that might be it. That could be the last email I ever get. <laughs> that's right. That's that's right. Um, and it never is. It never no, is. No, but that right. is the feeling, right? That's right. That is the feeling. I now have folks who are like, hey, we couldn't get you this summer, so we're going to ask you now. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to commit this far. <laughs> I feel like too early. We're like, early th- there's a new pillar of Sarah's brand, and it is that she doesn't commit some things more than eight months in advance. Right. That is, <laughs> right. That is the new pillar. <laughs> We're building new pillars for you right here on the um, show. Let's take a really quick break, and yes. uh, we will be right back. Tova here. I'll admit, when I think of a coach, I immediately think knee high socks, whistles, and clipboards. Is it because I love Ted Lasso? Maybe. I mean, I think it's a good look for you, if I'm being honest. Thanks, I think. Anyway, that's not the kind of coaching we want to talk to you all about. True. We are talking about life and transition coaching, though I do still love a clipboard and a tube sock. Both Riley and I are lucky to have worked with incredible coaches throughout our lives. Before that, though, We struggled with where to start, believing in what coaching could really do for us, and of course, putting ourselves first. Taking the leap and working with our coaches made all the difference. They gave us direction and support when we needed it most. Now, we are fortunate enough to be coaches ourselves, and we're excited to pay it forward. We can help you figure out where to start, create a roadmap, keep you accountable, and get to living your limitless life. Sounds pretty great. So if you want to figure out your next steps, check out our services at goboldlyinitiative.com slash services. We can't wait to talk to you. Now, back to the show. All right. So welcome back. Um, this has been so much fun so far. But I, and I, I have another question, which is when you are making these decisions and I mean you are you are working hard and are self-aware enough that you're actively listening to your your inner voice or your inner self core whatever you want to call it um is there any component of faith or trust in the universe or how whatever you want to call it that assists you in embracing your own power day in and day out so yes I am so I am spiritual but not religious i have you know most academics have issues with like traditional religion but um i am i I truly believe that what is for me will be for me and that no one can take those things from me and and especially having now come over to the plaintiff side people get so upset oh so and so got that case and 
they took it. It's very weird how territorial plaintiff's lawyers are. It's the craziest thing to me. And, and I'm like, it, if the client didn't call you, it was never your case. Like just because you have an office in a city does not mean that you have this, this sense of entitlement. And, and, and so I truly believe that when those cases do not come to me, there's a reason for that, that I have, you know, that, that some higher power has, has, um, protected me or that that was not part of my, you know, just part of my story, that those were not clients that needed what I have to give, that they, they needed something else. Um, and so I definitely am spiritual in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I believe that it's difficult for me because like my mom's a Jehovah's witness and my dad's African Methodist Episcopalian. So he's AME. So it's been like this, this huge mix. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I truly do believe in a higher power. I just, I don't necessarily, I've got issues with organized religion. Um, I think especially for women, oftentimes organized religion is utilized to weaken our power. And so I think it is um, important to develop a spirituality that does not, that is not based on um, the suppression of other people. Yeah, we can certainly understand that and uh, and relate in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I do find, and and I, I think I've said this in other interviews as well, I find particularly among women of our generation, and I'll just lump us all into the same or similar generations because I, I think we're all around the same age, um, that, you know, most of us find a connection among that sort of same, more spiritual, less religious um, and, and we do talk to a lot of similarly educated, similar, you know, similarly professional, etc. So there's, it's a, it's a poor study group, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because we're all so similar. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of that connection to spirituality and the idea, and I'm super wooey. I'm always the one who gets all wooey on the show um, with my crystals and my, you know, like connection to the universe and all those right. things. Um, but that for me anyway has helped me find my own inner voice right to connect more deeply with the me of you know my very early childhood and so i wonder for you if allowing that sense of spirituality helps you to reconnect to the girl on the playground who was you know able to say no, we're not going to bully my my big brother, and I'm not going to worry about having to hunch over because I'm taller than everybody, and everybody's telling me to be smaller, quieter, less than. Um, does that does that sense of your connection to the universe help you connect to your own sense of power in any way? I think it for me it has, has been more so. It allows me to overcome fear. Mm -hmm. It, and it allows me to ignore when I when I am connected to it because I think we all backslide. Yep. But it is the thing that allows me to say, I I believe I can do this thing, and I am not going to uh, fail. 
but I'm also not going to suffer. So when I decided to step down as managing attorney, people freaked out. They were like, you know, why in the world would you do that and go back to, I mean, we're all eat what you kill here. We're all commission-based. Um, why would you go from a, a high paying salary position back to being commissioned and investing in your brand? And I, I felt, and I constantly feel a sense that I was, and I think this is part of spirituality. I was placed on this earth to do more than try personal injury cases. I truly believe that. Um, and so I, I do think that for me, it is. Like when I when I have times where I'm like, why am I doing this? Why I'm all over the place? That that is something that I come back to. That I just it's a feeling right in your spirit that like I was put on this earth to do more than just work and turn cases and settle cases and try cases. Like I I tr and I I believe that you are happier when you feel you have a purpose. And I feel like my purpose is, is is more than motherhood and it's more than, and so I try to, um, in those moments when I'm with myself, which is why I think it's important to have that quiet time, you know, that to me is part of what you're listening for. It, we call it our inner voice, but I also think that it's kind of the universe speaking to us too. Yeah, I and I, I like to think of it, and this is just for me personally, so anyone listening but i like to think of it as when i'm when i'm listening to my inner voice it's it's really my connection to the universe right it is for me i don't i'm not a religious person i don't i mean i i did not grow up religious but it is for me a connection to something much bigger than me and it's a connection to the energy of the world the universe and i think you know if we're not all connected then what in the world are we doing here if there's not a connection between all of us then Right. For God's sake, why are we on the planet? Um, just individual beings lumped here. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. To me. That's exactly right. It, well, it, and there are so many things I feel like that happen. Like, gosh, man, I probably shouldn't say this, but it was a long <laughs> time ago. I remember waking up because there was no Uber when, I, when we were in college. Right? No, no, no. I right. remember waking up, driving home and being like in the grassy median. And now that I do, I, now that I handle motor vehicle collisions, like I, I'm like, how did I survive? Like driving, and there are so many things that I'm like, huh, survive that, huh? And, and so I look at those things and I think, okay, yeah. um, there's got to be more to um, what you're here for than just going to work every day and, and, and getting paid every day. And, and, and look, I think, you know, for some people, you know, everybody handles things differently. If you don't feel like you found your life's purpose or your life's purpose is, you know, just your family or not just your family, your family. And I think that's fine. Like, I don't think everyone has to have um, these like ultimately lofty goals. But I do think that when you feel that calling, um, it's important to answer it. I think it's impossible not to, and it causes a great deal of distress in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, if you ignore it. And um, and I'm I, speaking from personal experience, and and I think um, it's it's great to have you 
here reinforcing that for me personally <laughs> for all of our listeners. When, when I stepped down as as managing attorney, people like the first conference I attended, people were like, "Hey, is everything okay? Are you all right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Like I wasn't put on this earth to manage lawyers." Right. Like, <laughs> you know, as as it's, you, a, it's not yeah. a really it's not really a great gig a bunch of white dudes like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine. it got Cannot to a point imagine. where i got a, a, like especially during covid you know during covid everyone's scarcity of cases and everyone's worried and yeah we did just fine we had a great year but um in part because like I was just relentless and 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 me and Alex the firm owner were just I mean we were constantly at the office like but I got accused of um enjoying oppressing white men and I thought to myself like in favor of who like there are 12 <laughs> women at this point my four oh, best I'm gonna cackle oh god <laughs> And so I was like, who am I oppressing you in favor of? Please tell me. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that when you, and then when I started marketing the way I market and um, building a brand based upon empowering, which started off empowering women lawyers, but it's kind of pivoted into just empowering women in general, um, like even now I'll attend conferences and folks will tell me, you know, you're not going to get any cases that way. Um, you know, you're wasting your money and it's just like, yeah, man, one, why do you care? Right? Like if I'm not going to get any cases this way, then good, you'll have more cases, but I right. do, you know, because know. big stock, like people actually like to refer business to people they like and people they feel like are making a positive impact on the world outside of marketing for cases and so um i do think it, it's so important to follow your gut like i have the same problem tova that your friend has in mm -hmm. terms of taking on clients that that you have told yourself i'm not going to work these types of cases right and then you end up saying yes so one of the things i also decided to do when i stepped away from from managing was that I was not going to take any more like um, car wreck cases. Cause I've been trying car wreck cases since I started practicing. Like I've tried and handled, I've handled hundreds and hundreds of car wreck cases. I was like, Hey, I've done it. <laughs> you put in but, your time. You know, obviously those are the majority of cases that, that a volume firm like ours gets. And so people are like, you're crazy. You're not going to make any money. And, and, and it was very, for the first six months, it was very much uh, really for the first year me and my team were kind of concerned but now that things have started to kind of roll over um and i will still take them if it's like a family referral or something or a personal referral um but i think when you set boundaries like that you end up being you just have to well, you just have to deep breath in that like not in your gut that it causes um but that to me is part of this universe and yes following that too you know definitely so it's interesting i'm um i'm having all these thoughts as you're talking so you just said gut and it so i just saw tabitha brown speak last week she by the way is another one to listen to her book not just read it her okay. feeding the soul so good so good um but she spoke last week and she talked about your gift uh what did she talk your gut being a gift under the tummy 
and how it it tells you things and you need to you know listen to it it's that gift under the tummy um and she also talked about how it is so important for everyone to lean into their gift and like that's what you're doing and i think that like you said people people want to give business to people who are i happy is such a weird word to use because i don't you know i don't know really what it means but like that are happy that are like leaning into their gift right and so by you doing that um you are inviting other you know other business in and this whole time you've been talking i kept like for the last hour i kept thinking about the that saying about how you know when and it always says like when god closes one a door you know he'll open our window or open another one but i think you know, as we've all just talked about how, or both of you talked about how your inner voice is also that connection to the universe, you can close the door and another one will open. Like that's allowed. You can yeah. say, I'm, I'm closing this door. It doesn't work for me anymore. It that's did. Right. It's still a door. It's not like you're bricking it up. Like to keep going with this <laughs> metaphor. It's still there. Still if, has a you handle. Just, if you decided like, you know what? I do love these other cases, but I have a big enough sort of repository of them that I know if I add a few more car crash cases in, it's not going to take over again. You can open the door up again if you want. Like right. it's a door. And right. and I think we always think of these doors closing as something that somebody does to us, but we can do it. We can be in charge of these decisions. And I think you said, why do other people care? It's so bizarre to me. Like that, I will, I will tell you, I had a, when I started, a classmate of mine walked up to me at a conference and he said, you need to be really careful because you're saying some things about uh, things that happen between men and women um, in the legal industry that people aren't going to like. And I was like, I don't have to be careful. <laughs> One, because, you know, Alex loves me. And um, so I'll always have good cases, but even if he stopped loving me and stopped assigning me good cases, I'll go get them on my own because I'm confident in my skill set. So I don't have to be careful. And the fact that like you're so uncomfortable with what I've been saying that you thought you needed to warn me is indicative that I need to keep saying what yes. I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Like if people are talking about it in their little man circles and <laughs> saying that like, like how dare she, you know, talk about these things that happen behind closed doors. And it's like, boom, we're kicking this door in. Yes. Right. Break like y'all are not going to continue to be able to do these things to us in the shadows, mm -mm. thinking that we are afraid to discuss them because you control the business. Like, and that's why I have, like, I'm so adamant about um, encouraging women to market themselves and brand themselves. Because what I have learned in this business is, and I think we're taught, like if you're a great lawyer, then you don't have to market yourself and you don't have to brand yourself. And then they like, you know, go to the golf, you know, golf course for eight hours a day and spend a couple thousand dollars on some, you know, potential client referral. That's marketing, Right, like as an industry, we've convinced ourselves that if you're not on a billboard, you're not marketing. All of that is marketing. And so, you know, you have to tell people when you've done well and not leave it to um, these other folks to tell to, to tell the world. Right. Um, because you have to be able to, my grandmother always said, uh, one, 
don't have more kids than you can take care of by yourself. <laughs> you should always be able and in a position where you can take care of yourself. And I've all like I have always applied that one. Clearly, I only have one kid. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's enough for me. She's she's one kid and two French bulldogs is a lot. But <laughs> but I think it's important to always be able to walk away from the things that don't serve you and to close those doors yourself. Mm -hmm. And when your gut is telling you this place is not right for me. I think sometimes um, we think, oh, I've been praying on it and praying on it and I haven't gotten a clear sign. Well, if your gut is telling you and you're feeling uncomfortable and you don't want to go to the office, right? And you don't want to, you know, hang out with your coworkers. Like, that's the sign. <laughs> well, I, like, I mean, you know, if, right. if your gut's telling you to pray on it, that that's probably that's the, sign. the clear sign. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I think we sometimes, my uncle who was a, in law enforcement used to tell me that women's intuition is like their most powerful tool. Um, and they ignore it all the time. And he, he would have those conversations with me in terms of like being in college and being in situations. Yeah. But I like now apply it to business. Like our intuition is so powerful but we have been socialized to think that we overreact and we overthink mm -hmm. and we should just get along. Like you don't have to get along, leave and you will survive. And you don't, you know, you'll be fine. Like you'll be just fine. And so that, um, I, I do think that leaning into your intuition and the universe, all those things are things that we as women have been socialized to ignore. Not well, just ignore, but ridiculed for yeah yes. and and mocked for to the and point where you don't trust yourself exactly yeah. right so well, it's like I, a it's a giant yeah. gaslighting over our ability to do these things have these things work and be successful and of course you, you know while i don't think there's some like weird man circle cabal sitting around going I mean, maybe there is going ha 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 we'll teach them to stop following their intuition and it'll take away their power that's exactly what's happened and so you know, if you're out there listening and going, I don't know, that sounds crazy, think it through. Because when you ignore the red flags that go up in your body, in your in your heart, in your mind, whatever it is, wherever you feel it, because you feel it, you instinctually feel it when something is off. You feel it in your stomach, your head, your heart, wherever. You get the sweats. I don't know. Anxiety. You, something yeah. happens and your body goes, no. And something bad usually happens, right? Like, well, yeah, and, and this is also the second, you're, you're the second guest we've had recently who's talked about how like other people's opinions, they, it says a lot more about them than it does about you. And how if you're doing something that causes some guy to come up to you, and I'm not saying there isn't a man circle cabal, and I had all of these snarky political comments in my head as to what those <laughs> possibly could be, but I'll just keep going. But like, you know, if, if you're doing something where it, it's bad enough, bad enough with quotes, you know, for right. a man to come up to you, then that's probably the right thing and you should keep doing it. Like, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's your that's side, right. right? That like- But I also thought to myself, man you the audacity mm. come up to me and and i've been I, I have been um powerful for a long time in terms of speaking my mind and being very direct and and i and look i think i, I think he was trying to look out for me 
Um, but at the end of the day, this idea that you think that you you should recommend that I silence myself, right? Mm -hmm. For the safety of what? That I was like, for, for what? Like to 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 exist in a world where I have to just like listen to you know, my friends talk about these bad experiences and listen to women talk about these bad experiences. And I think that to me is the thing about having those stepping into your gift and leaning into your gift. And if that gift is writing appellate briefs and leaning into your ability to be self-sufficient, because I think when you are self-sufficient and know I can do this on my own or I can do it somewhere else. I tell look, Alex and I, when we, we used to have knockdown drag outs when I was managing and I would tell him, I will pack my pink couch up and go wherever it is. I want to go. I will go to any firm in this state, right. Or I will go to, I will open an office on my, my own, but what we're not going to do is either speak to me this way or ignore, you know, these things. Like I, I just think that we have to have more of that, you right. know? Yeah. And, and I'll say this, having been in some circles with just men, and it has been shocking to me the number of times, which is weird because like my platform is women's empowerment. Like the things that are said to me, like recently this guy said, um, yeah, I had one of my, my, my associates who um, took on your call to market herself and then she started getting cases. I was like, oh my goodness, that's great. How has it worked out for y'all? He said, well, she thought too, she started thinking too highly of herself and wanted more of a percentage and she wasn't worth that much. I was like, well, what's she doing now? He said, well, she started her own firm and now she's my competition. I said, well, I guess she was worth that much. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her for not letting you determine what her value was. Oh in my the goodness. Market, right? Oh my goodness. It's um I mean, the things that it's, and I'm, I'm always like, why are you saying this to me? Like, have you not seen my Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we do need to take a quick break, but before we do that, just, just, I, I feel like I have to say this to whoever that I guess well-intentioned colleague of yours was that came up to you and suggested that you silence yourself and thought he was helping you out, taking care of you men male people the way that you help is by silencing the other people not the women the other people so if you're standing in a man's circle and they were saying gross things gross negative misogynistic things you silence those things not the women you silence the misogynistic things i'm pretty sure you're not listening to our podcast but just in case you are <laughs> that's how that works that's how that works. So just needed to clear that up because um, it was making me feel ragey and I wanted to get that out of my body. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to do some rapid fire questions. Um, I, yeah, we'll be right back, everyone. In case you didn't already know, we love talking. True story. More than simply talking, we love researching, prepping, and bringing this podcast to life. We launched We Go Boldly with the goal of reaching people dealing with the kinds of questions and concerns that we also face. 
Things like how to hear my inner voice, how to make sure my habits are worth it and stick, how do I feel my feelings and still manage to function. After years of personal work and lots of trial and error, we realized we have a lot to share on these topics. Now we've been broadcasting for over a year and we are proud of our podcast. And uh, to no one's surprise, we still have a lot to say and talk about. We sure do. We need your help to keep going. Every episode takes time and money to create, and we would love your support. So if you like what we are doing, please support us by joining our Patreon community and becoming a monthly subscriber. Join our Patreon community today at patreon.com slash we go boldly. We are so grateful to all of our supporters. Now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I have uh, let go of some of my rage. Sort Can of. I tell you a quick story? This will yes, like, yes. This all your rage. So that at that same conference, um, Alex came up to me. We were having dinner. And he was like, you will not believe what's been happening to me this conference. I was like, what? He said, people keep coming up to me and asking me, why are you letting Sarah brand herself individually? Like, are you okay with that? He was like, can you believe they're asking me that? I said, well, what did you tell them? He said, first of all, I don't let Sarah do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He said, and second of all, like, if she didn't do it with me, then she would leave and I don't want her to leave. So of course, and I love it. And he was like, I just think it's the strangest thing. They're talking to me like I own you. And I was like, we have trained you so well. Like, so <laughs> well, that's good. That does make that does make me feel better. All right. I like that. I okay. love that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. That's a little bit of a relief. Um, so before we get to the quick response, rapid fire questions that I do not get to ask follow up questions about much to my dismay. We have one more question for you. Okay. And that is, what advice do you have for people who are kind of trapped right now? And they're really, they want to embrace their own power, but they're just like, I don't know where to start. What, do you have a, a bit of advice? I know, so I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I think that I would recommend, um, if you're a reader or even a listener, um, some books that have helped me, Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday, um, Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown. Uh, it, I think that the first step is deciding who you are and what you want and what you tr what you truly want with life. And so I recommend getting away if you, you know, even if if you're a busy mom, if you're not a busy mom, if you're a busy professional, like we're all busy, right? Irrespective of, of what our domestic situations are, take a day, even if it's just a day and go to a hotel room, go to somewhere quiet. I like being by the water. Um, and you've got to, well, kind of what we talked about earlier, you've got to recommit yourself to yourself and have conversations with just yourself. And I think the constant busyness and social media and all those things create a disconnection between us and, us and ourselves. And so I think the first step in deciding that you want, I, I think, first of all, if you're thinking to yourself, this is not it, then that's the first step. Mm -hmm. The next step is 
figuring out what is it for you. And I think you have to to be still. I'm reading um, Stillness is the Key right now by Ryan Holiday. I love all his stuff um, and stoicism. Um, I think that you have to get still. You have to get still and really um, tune everything out and put your do not disturb on and let people know that you are not available and truly be not available, right? Embrace the fact that like there aren't any fires that you like nothing is going to to go to shit shoot um <laughs> you know the world is not going to end if you take a friday to you know a, a long weekend to yourself and isolate yourself and mm -hmm. so i think that to me is the first step is um really getting still and deciding what you really want love it i love it um Tova knows that I love silence. It drives her crazy. Um. <laughs> I like silence. I don't just don't like actual silence. Right. No, I like actual like, silence. I like time by myself. You I like, like isolation. I like isolation and solitude. I just oh. like to do it with a nice music in the background. Yeah, I like full <laughs> sensory deprivation. Oh, yeah. Like I can be still, but listen be listening to like the most ratchet music <laughs> no. like if i can if i can I dive into it. the music then that silences everything else out and that is silence yeah no. like you know and it's funny sometimes it motivates like if i'm isolated but i'm listening to like my newest thing is this is this young rapper her name is glorilla and she's just such a like hood empowering young lady <laughs> If you like wade through it and like I was driving a day and I was in a bad mood and then I was listening to her and I was like, yes, <laughs> like, James, turn around. tackle my week. All right. So there you go. All right. You ready for some uh, quick response, bold I'm questions. Ready. All right. There's five questions. We're going to ask them quickly. Well, but we meaning me. <laughs> All right. Number one, what is on your nightstand? my CPAP and a book and my charging station. <laughs> All right. Number two, uh, you might've just answered this, but who is at the top of your playlist right now? Oh, it's really Lizzo. I'm getting ready for her concert on October 22nd. Oh. So I have her on repeat. Nice. Okay. Uh, number three, how do you relax? Um, <laughs> relax. So I try to every morning, um, do the How Elrod's Miracle Morning by meditating and, and being silent and journaling. Um, I have found that that helps relax me in the morning before the, the craziness of the day. Um, but what is most relaxing to me is like, being near the ocean or the water and just being still and, and having a good book. Nice. Um, all right. What is your favorite beverage? Uh, Woodford and ginger ale with a squeeze of lime. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Uh, number five, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Hmm. The best piece of advice I have ever received is to think of yourself as a business 
that you are always in the business of you. Oh, I like that. That's a new one. I like it. Okay. Well, thank you so very much for being on the show today. It has thank been delightful. Um, can you let our, I'm trying to find new superlatives. I, I've used them all up and I need to find better ones. So <laughs> I'm trying them out. None of them seem to be working. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep going and see if I get one that works. But please, please tell our listeners where they can find you uh, on social media, where, like, where can they follow you? So the best place to find me is on Instagram. It's at Sarah Williams ESQ, Sarah with no H. Um, if you are less uh, inclined to Instagram and more of a LinkedIn type of a person, I'm there, Sarah Williams. Um, and then my Instagram can take you to my link tree. Um, but most of my content is posted there and on Facebook. Excellent. All right. Well, we awesome. will share all of that in our show notes and on our social media um, when the episode airs. And um, everyone, please have a fantastic week. Embrace your power. Um, let us know how it goes. And we will be back next week with another episode on more on embracing your power. Uh, until then, have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are. <laughs>